Welcome back to another hour of Scott Shower. I am Noah. And I'm Jesse. And this evening we have episode 117. I believe we have a great lineup here with the uh, our Scotch review, which really isn't a Scotch. It's the uh, Penderin Legend Single Malt Welch Whiskey. Uh, this was uh, done by mistake. I thought I was picking out a Scotch, uh, a single malt Scotch, but it was a Welch whiskey. So uh, we just said, screw it, and we'll just move along. Uh, our shout out and get together section is going to be right after that, followed by a restaurant review. Uh, by I don't know if it's Cork or Co Arc, uh, Collective Food Hall, which is a Korean food place, uh, or multiple Korean like little food places, a food court, whatever, if you will, and then followed by our Smarter Challenge means Squid Games, uh, which I think is actually very appropriate for the uh, uh, the restaurant review. That's right. We took a risk, and I paid a price. <laughs> I think we take we're we're taking a lot of risks this uh, this episode here, and I believe we are going to butcher a lot of names. Not intentionally, <laughs> or maybe so. I'm not really sure. Uh, any case, uh, thank you for all of you who uh, listen to us on the multiple uh, uh, podcast platforms that we are on. Uh, thank you for those who uh, watch us on YouTube and Rumble. And I think recently we just got two uh, new uh, subscribers. So we're up to 82 subscribers. So thank you very much. We greatly appreciate that. Our goal is uh, to get to 1,000 subscribers. So that way we can eventually open up some more, uh, I guess, uh, what is it, more things that YouTube will allow us to do to make this podcast better for you guys uh, or more features, I guess, is what I was trying to, the, word, the words I was looking for. Features, tools, accessories, yeah. glam. It's like... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. So please, uh, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. If you you don't even have to like, you can only listen to us once if you want to. But please hit that subscribe button and help us get to that one thousand mark so we can open up those extra uh, features here to make a better podcast for all of you. Uh, we'll get this uh, thing rocking and rolling, and uh, we'll have Jesse introduce us to this Scotch slash non Scotch. Uh, Whiskey review. Scotch review. All right, and you know, I I will say, in all fairness, Bevy's Parker did screw up. It was a bottle in the heart of the Highland single malt Scotch selection they have on their shelves. And I wasn't looking to verify it because I trusted them. But it was an interesting lesson to learn as far as, well, maybe we don't trust them. Most of the time, we actually look exactly at that. Is this an island scotch? If so, which isla? Jura, isla. Is it a highland scotch? Is it a lowland scotch? Typically steer away from the lowland scotch. Is typically aim towards an island scotch. But then there are some amazing highland single model scotch as well. In this case, we both both saw this splendid box, the Penderin Legend Welsh whiskey, and just like, hell yeah, that looks cool, let's do it. Uh, we actually looked at it two weeks in a row because it was in the scotch section two weeks in a row, and the last time I was there, it's still in the scotch section. We needed to let them know to take this out and put it in a little bit different section for the whiskey point of view um, however it is a cool box i love the gloss red with the matte red it is a cool look you know that'd be two great colors a flat 
red Ferrari with some gloss red stripes or vice versa. Uh, could be pretty sexy. I agree. And I do like, I know ultimately it comes down to me. So I gotta be self accountable, but you expect when you go into a scotch section, that it's going to be all scotches from Scotland and to see that this was not in, like, this was like right in the middle of like a scotch section. Uh, yeah, I did take it for granted and, uh, yeah, well, uh, they do, they do need to reorganize and put it in the appropriate place and not in the middle of Scott, uh, scotch. Yes. 100% agreed. And maybe they just have somebody new working there because if you can see it on the back there, you can see that little tiny gold piece of England in where Penderin Welsh is. Um, and it's a little bit off of the island of Scotland. <laughs> uh, but with that, it is undoubtedly going to be an interesting and a good tasting note for us to have really seeing what are some of the different uh, options out there. Uh, we know we'll enjoy the scotch as we continue this journey for scotch hour, but the occasional comparison, we've done it before, I'm sure we'll do it again to someone else's whiskey is never a bad one. So with the Penderin legend, uh, right off the front of their box, they say today the Red Dragon in Welsh is the proud national flag of Wales. This fiery creature is close to our hearts. It is thought that the ancient Welsh kings were using the dragons as a royal emblem by the early 5th century AD. In this, they followed Roman cohorts that carried hollow metal draco standards through which the wind howled to instill fear in their foes. A 43% ABV Welsh whiskey aged in ex-bourbon casks and finished in ex-Madeira casks. This is going to be an interesting treat this evening. A couple other pieces about this here. Uh, there's no specific age. All they commit to is that it's aged a minimum of three years. So it's not a five year, an eight year, a 10 year or more. Uh, it is just a non-aged scotch, but three years or more. Uh, the color, man. I'm curious to see what a young Welsh Scotch will look like as far as color. Uh, Penderin produces award-winning single malt whiskies and spirits in their distillery on the foothills of the Brecon Beacons National Park in Wales, United Kingdom. Distilling in Wales was a lost art, but in the late 1990s, in an Huron pub in the Welsh Valleys, Alun Evans, the landlord and a group of friends, chattered about establishing the first whiskey distillery in Wales in over a century. They dreamt of creating a whiskey as pure and precious as Welsh gold represented today by Penderin's gold seam. The village of Penderin was chosen because of the site's own supply of fresh natural spring water. Well, they got that right. Everyone will agree. Uh, every one of the distilleries we've found to be rightfully proud of their spirit has their own source of water. And the fact that the Alun had a wine 
fine warehouse in the village. A unique copper single pot still designed by Dr. David Faraday, a relative of the great 19th century scientist Michael Faraday, was installed in the year 2000, which produces a spirit in an industry high of 92%, meaning Penderin's whiskeys are light, fruity, and flavorsome. I think it's going to be more Glen Morangy or uh, McAllen. Uh, probably more Glen Morangy, but I got totally caught up in the whole Faraday uh, <laughs> still. So you're like, are they trying to do blackout a bunch of electricity or something? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, not everything can go green, you know. Uh, a, a unique copper single pot still um, is used for this. So with that, the business seemed a curiosity. A Welsh whiskey? What the hell are these guys thinking? But when the Scottish whiskey expert Dr. Jim Swan became their master distiller, things got serious and Dr. Swan got involved because he said the still created a world-class spirit. He said we sh they should finish it in Mandira casks, so this became their house style, their normal standard variety. Um, this quickly advanced to new uh, varieties, including sherry casks, peated casks, port casks, and others. Nigel Short invested in the business, bringing Stephen Davies in as CEO, and the distinguished drinks designer, Glenn Tutsell, also became involved, who created the brand design. On St. David's Day 2004, Penderin Whiskey was launched in the presence of His Royal Highness Prince Charles. Charles. An expansion in 2013 and 2014 included a replica of the Faraday still and two lantern stills being installed. With investment, inspiration, hard work, attention to detail, and the finest barley, expert female distillers, and the best American elk bourbon casks, Penderin Whiskey quickly became a worldwide reputation and gained that for its range of whiskeys, winning over 100 double gold and gold masters awards along the way today including key markets in france and germany the united states china um, well really seven out of eight countries were distilling whiskey in 2000 and now most countries do so penderin was really a pioneer in the world whiskey industry penderin is a privately owned company with over 60 shareholders and as a result of the company's progress a new distillery opened in Landron, North Wales, May 2021. A further distillery is planned for Swansea in South Wales in the summer of 2023. All right. So we're currently with tours. They have uh, tours in both locations that they currently have, which is the Brecon Beacons location and the land... Dunno Lloyd Street location. I'm just gonna call it the Lloyd Street location. <laughs> uh, and really, uh, either case, it doesn't matter which one you go to. The pricing is either thirteen fifty online or fifteen uh, at the door, and that's uh, Great British pounds. So this will include a tour. Uh, you get to see the. Uh, it's a one hour turn uh, tour where you learn about the founding of Penderin, how the award winning whiskey is made. Uh, what makes it so unique? You see their meal, their mill, uh, the mash, uh, the mash tune, and their innovative uh, single copper pot, uh, which is that Faraday pot or uh, the, uh, whatever. Yeah, 
right? Third day. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's about uh, they are open some days a week from nine thirty a.m. to five p.m. And the last tour starts at four p.m. So not a whole lot. They don't really say like there's a whole lot of difference between the two. They, in fact, the information is exactly the same for both distilleries. So I guess it kind of depends on which one you want to go to to take your tour. One of the things I did find interesting in the notes you were able to find about the Pender and Distillery is they mentioned part of the reason they really charred their oak barrels. I don't know if this is truly the case or just an added benefit or if everyone does it for this reason. And I've never seen it printed in all these years. Uh, but they're mentioning that for them, um, the whiskey is aged in charred oak barrels primarily because the chemical compounds that, that are undesirable are removed by the charcoal created from charring the barrels. That actually makes a lot of sense. Right? <laughs> Because like uh, like yeah like tooth like charcoal toothpaste uh, charcoal uh, mouthwash to help take away those impurities in, inside your mouth and stuff like that so yeah I can see it it's interesting so uh, or, I'm or you even know. out of water right you have char charcoal filters yeah and, and I I think the biggest piece there is you have charcoal that's going to attach to these impurities and therefore when they do their non chill filter or their filter uh, it remove removes the smaller impurities because now they're not so small and they're attached to the charcoal. Yeah, I didn't really think about that before, but it makes total sense. Right? <laughs> Might make for a reason why some of these companies, Glenn Morangi, uh, I'm going to repeat again, as we know, has uh, really charged some of their casks, uh, but they also have some of the fruitiest, most floral, fragrant scotches we've tried. Yeah, and, uh, they have some great ones, especially the Teleforest. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to see what this Welsh whiskey will bring to the palate. The box, again, I'm going to mention this. It's no five, but it is a solid score. I do love it's nice, great cardboard. Um, I love the colors. I love the fact that they mix both the gloss and the matte red on there. The bottle itself. Man. Reminds me of a wine bottle. Dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I love the label. I hate the shape. I'll take last week's toy over this one. <laughs> You'll take the anal plug over this? I'll take the plug over the wine bottle. <laughs> uh, I think I'll take the wine bottle over the anal plug. <laughs> he, yeah, he's been to Amsterdam. He was he was violated in, in watching a show. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this bottle does leave me wanting. Uh, which is really interesting because usually I'm less a fan of the shorty or shorter stouty bottles, but this one is definitely a tall, long necked, you know. Uh, you Honestly, know. I think if I didn't know any better, I almost think that it was a white wine or some I sort. I would 100% agree. And wouldn't you be surprised when you poured this down and went for that first big sip if you didn't test the nose? <laughs> All right. Well. In traditional form, they have a nice solid foil along the top. That might almost be a mean practical joke to play on somebody. <laughs> yeah, I got this really expensive bottle of wine. You should try it. Uh, plastic top, real cork though. Right off the nose, it's super interesting. Does not smell like I would expect 
the nose of any scotch to smell but we got to remember this is a welsh whiskey not a scotch gotta work tomorrow man <laughs> tomorrow's hours away do the machine <laughs> i'm the machine, Pull the machine. <laughs> all right all right well, I guess it's time to do our uh, tasting and uh, our warp speed. So, cheers. The uh, Penderin Legend. Uh, I got to tell you what, man. Uh, even though I didn't really realize that it was a Welsh uh, Scotch when we were uh, when I was picking it out at Bevy's. Uh, and you were right there with me. So um, the box is like, it was really eye-catching. I do like, uh, as you talked about, the uh, matte red with the uh, gloss red on there. It does look really cool with the dragon being in gloss red. And honestly, I think if we would have planned better, it probably would have been better with the uh, House of the Dragons episode that we did uh, a couple episodes back. But being that uh, we didn't do that and we didn't realize it was scotch, it's probably better we didn't. Uh, now, not to knock the uh, the idea that it's a Welsh Scotch or anything, and we typically do single malt scotches from Scotland, and it's a Welsh uh, whiskey. This is actually a pretty interesting um, venture off to something uh, that we normally don't cover. Now, the uh, the presentation. I'm going to start there with that. Like I said, I, I do definitely dig the box. Uh, it's very eye-catching with the, uh, the with the colors that they use. The bottle itself, as we mentioned uh, earlier, it does look like a wine bottle and not one that you would typically expect from like a single malt scotch. Um, and you, I mean, if you if you couldn't catch it on the nose or whatever, and it didn't have the 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 box itself, one might almost easily confuse it uh, for like a white wine of some sort. A Chardonnay for sure, no problem with a buttery Chardonnay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably well usually, buddy, like usually Chardonnays come in a little bit more of a like a fatter bottle, so I'd probably say more like maybe someone might confuse it for uh, maybe like a Sauvignon Blanc or something like that, like a like a very grassy toned Sauvignon Blanc. But nonetheless, uh, I do dig the bottle because I have more of a background in wine, so I kind of think the having kind of like a wine type bottle is kind of cool um the uh the label on the actual bottle itself is pretty similar to the box um which i like so regardless for the packaging i still gave it a four out of five the color even though you see a little bit of particulates i really enjoy the fact that it's non-chilled and also um not colored so i gave that a four out of five as well i still prefer to have a darker colored uh, scotch um but it's still definitely really nice uh, i do like it so that was a four out of five now on the aroma the aroma here i got butterscotch uh, well i should say when we first opened it the very first thing i smelled was wax uh, from the wax, it like it moved into banana and then butter, like butterscotch or vanilla type butterscotch with some spice. As it opened up, I think the uh, more the uh, sweetness from the uh, vanilla butterscotch and the uh, banana have have uh, become a little bit more prevalent in it. 
as opposed to the waxiness. But nonetheless, I still thought the aroma was pretty decent. I thought this is probably the weakest point of this ska, of this uh of this whiskey. And I gave that 25 out of 30. Now the palate I did enjoy. I got brown sugar uh with vanilla, banana, and spice. And uh originally like i wouldn't have said brown sugar to begin with when using our normal tasting glasses um but when we moved to the, like the larger glasses i think the brown sugar came out a little bit more the banana came out a little bit more and the apple came out a lot more and you give that you get that nice kind of like um banana apple with vanilla and some burnt brown sugar maybe uh that, that kind of goes along with it um uh, with some nice spice notes so i really did dig the palette so i gave that 26 out of 30. and then the finish the finish is what i got is that it's a spicy vanilla caramel apple caramel apple so it's almost to me like if you take a a good caramel apple and someone had put some additional spices into it to make it a spicy caramel apple. This is kind of like the finish I get on this particular whiskey. And the apple flavor just kind of lingers. Like, uh, I think after the spice dies out, you still get a nice lingering apple taste. So if you enjoy apples, I really do think this is a really nice whiskey. So with that, I gave the finish a 26 out of 30 as well. That gives me a grand total, if my math is correct, 85 points. It is correct. So, um, would I take this to a black tie fair? Actually, I probably would. Uh, and the reason why is like, it's, I know it's not a single malt scotch. And I know it's a Welsh, uh, whiskey, but I think because it is a Welsh whiskey and the way the presentation is of the, how the bottle looks like a wine bottle. And the way the like the color is on the box and the bottle, I think this will help. Me. I think it's it's a bottle that would stand out on its own. And I think when you go to a black tie affair, you want something that will stand out on its own. I don't think this would be one that would kind of fade into the background. And it's making a statement. It's really kind of like I think it it makes a nice bold statement of like, hey, check me out. Uh, and I and I like that, you know. Um. Would I take it to a game night? Because we're no longer doing poker nights because neither one of us ever really played poker. So would I take it to a game night? Hell yeah, I'd take it to a game night. I think it'd be a nice uh, a nice change of pace uh, from having a normal scotch. Um, and I think a lot of the guys probably would like it. Uh, I'm not really sure how well it would hold up to some cigars. I think you probably would need a mild cigar to go along with it because this is kind of a light-bodied uh, whiskey. And... Um, but I think if you get a nice flavored, uh, mild uh, cigar, it might actually complement it quite a bit. I do really think uh, it would go well during the summertime, uh, like having it during a nice summer summer evening, as well as with some desserts. Like I do think this would be a good one with creme brulee, or even like a nice good like chocolate mousse cake or something like that. I think it would because of that vanilla in there and the apples. I think it would go. I think it would go very well. Um, would I put it on my shelf and keep it there or hoard it? Well, I wouldn't hoard it, that's for sure. But would I have it on my shelf? I probably uh, wouldn't mind putting it on my shelf as a change of pace whiskey. Um, 
but it's like I said, it's not a scotch, it's not a single malt scotch, which which is really our thing. So um, for a change of pace, for something different, I can see maybe having it up there for just a change of pace. I really did like it. I know I gave it eighty five points. I probably could have given it a couple more points here or there, um, but I think for what it is, I thought eighty five points was a decent score, anyways. I. I'm pleasantly surprised by this Welsh whiskey as well. Presentation going from top to bottom. The box. I love the box. If we had a slightly different scoring system, this box would score higher. But because of our scoring system, it is a solid four out of five. It's hard to get that five. And I don't on the show. Since we started this scoring system, we haven't arrived there yet solid four out of five though i absolutely love the gloss and matte black the feel that the box has because of the materials the texture the paint the coloring whatever and anything that they used i i love that what they've done with that the box itself feels waxy and i like it that it doesn't feel weak or slippery it feels strong and waxy like a crisp red delicious apple i love that about this the bottle i agree with you it stands out i think it's less threatening i think because of that bringing it to a game night could potentially be a huge win because i think you'd get a lot more individuals to try it just because it doesn't look like a powerful bottle of some uh, scotch or whiskey it looks very inviting um the bottle itself to me not sexy uh but still total presentation four out of five the color this is absolutely a sun-kissed light blonde. No arguments about a good color. Solid four out of five. It is non-chill filtered and no color added. That is great color. The nose. Also my weakest score, particularly because even now I get the slightest hint of what I can only say is nail polish when I smell it. And it is a very slight hint. Oh, but that nail polish is followed by banana. A hint of red, a delicious apple. And there's a ever so mild floral note for the nose at the end for me. Uh, going to the palette, the nose also my weakest score, 24 out of 30. Uh, the palette, by far my strongest score. Mm. I love to eat apples and bananas, and that is what is at the front of this. It is a perfectly ripened banana with a red delicious apple slice followed by butterscotch a hint of malt and then it kind of goes back to that apple flavor with an inviting vanilla not a powerful vanilla though not vanilla bean very mild vanilla uh, on the palate for me, that was absolutely this whiskey's win. 27 out of 30. Finish. Man, after going through all those flavors on the palate, still finishes pretty so strong. Uh, that apple that we were talking about, the apple um, and vanilla, then goes to a vanilla taffy, a sweet, almost sticky flavor on the tongue, which I also enjoy. And I don't know how else to put this. 
it is a unique hint of oak and the only way i can say it is it's a water logged oak barrel flavor it is an oak barrel um, i'm not getting the strong sharp red oak white oak or any other sort of oak it is something like it's waterlogged um it's like i'm smelling it even though what i'm doing it is tasting it on the finish the finish of 26 my score ironically also an 85 <laughs> point scores and where those points were different uh but again and when we tend to come along the middle of the road scotches, we usually nail it. So with that, um, would I bring this to a black tie event? Yeah, I would as well. And part of the reason is, man, the box alone, great presentation. Red shines with red with black and white. Red is definitely an eye catcher. Goes perfect with that Brioni red check tie. Uh, flawless and then would i take it to a game night absolutely again game night inviting this bottle is not threatening it doesn't look like you're bringing a bottle of ardbeg to the table the wee beastie gonna go kill some peeps no this is like hey is that just a strong wine let's give it a try and i do believe it is very inviting in the sense of if you can get over the uh if you maybe most people do not smell it Having painted kids and women's nails in my past, uh, that acetone scent, uh, it is a fun scotch to drink. Would I hoard it? No. Would Not I a scotch, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's very, whiskey. Whiskey. Um, would I hoard this whiskey? Absolutely not. But uh, much like yourself, you know, we got a lot of shelves. It's got a, it's got a place on my shelf. for shout outs shout outs i got two number one i just gotta say it nuggets way to knock the lakers on their ass Jokic and team and it really murray um was dynamite the whole team did amazing uh you know, I, I should really mention almost all their names, but Jokic and Murray really stood out in a few of the games. You guys kicked their asses and took some names. Way to go. Going and progressing to the finals. Uh, my only other shout out is for Formula One. Man, Verstappen taking Monaco again. And then Alonzo finishing second. <laughs> Way to go. You got to give it to Alonzo, man. Totally. And uh, ask Martin for like uh, for for the turnaround from last year to this year, uh, it's just amazing. Um, so I only got one shout out, and this goes to uh, the main uh, the comedian and the main character of the movie <laughs> The Machine, uh, Bert uh, Kresher, Kresher, or I probably butchered his name. Sorry if you got if you ever see this, uh, I apologize if I butchered your last name. Come on the show. We'll drink some scotch exactly but here here's the thing this guy's like my hero really because when you like i've listened like i listened to the to the machine uh i finally listened to the uh the comedy bit about the machine and about his story it, like when he went when he was at fsu going on this trip and then like his time like uh with his with his flying dildo story and the the uh, uh not helen keller but uh Oh yeah, um, Helen Keller was part of the story. He just Helen. didn't know it was Helen Keller. <laughs> no, he didn't know it was uh, what's her name's. Uh, I want to say uh, I want to say Anne Rice, but that's not it. It was uh, <laughs> God damn it. Did you say Anne Hathaway? 
What the hell is her name? The the chick that was in uh Damn, shoots. <laughs> Anyways, I'm butchering her name. No, I no, just like him. <laughs> oh, let's just put it this way. You guys can figure out Holocaust Museum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyways, uh and he talks about like the like going to like a uh like the sex show. And his story about the sex show, like if you've never been to uh I've never been to one. <laughs> uh, to Amsterdam and been to like one of the uh, coffee shops there, uh, coffee shops where they sell uh, the marijuana, um, or been to a one of these uh, sex shops uh, or sex like these sex shows, I should say. Uh, they are uh, as creepy as he describes, and honestly, like. Some of the escapades that he's had, I had some similar type of stories. Maybe not to the same extreme as the lot uh, as the the Machina one with him in Russia. I never had anything like I never did anything in that extreme. But some of the other experiences that he talks about and and he, and, he, and he's done, I've had somewhat similar stories. And I'm telling you, like he's like my hero because he's able to turn that stuff into like making tons of money as a comedian and i wish i could have done that with my stories from all my uh escapades from being in a fraternity at the university of colorado boulder but i'm telling you like some of the stuff that he says is hilarious and it just makes me cry laughing because i'm like oh shit i did almost exactly the same shit as this guy's done and uh he's like my hero for turning it into a way to make money so uh shout out to you uh brett uh or sorry bert shout out to you bert uh wow you got you you're, you're killing it man i love it you know this this is a tricky one and my only get together goes to uh man mass retailers needing to take a stand and stick with it and uh yeah that's that's about all i can say all right so i think i'm on the same kind of wavelength as you uh because my get it together is for the american people and really about corporations and it has to do with the cei which is the corporate uh corporate equality index it's basically like a social scoring system for corporations and because of the system people like BlackRock and Vanguard and stuff like that, they're telling these corporations that they have to push these, uh, what many of us would call woke agendas to, uh, to the populace and saying like, if they don't do certain things to meet these, uh, social equality points, then they won't get the investments, uh, from these, uh, investors. And so that's the reason why they're pushing these things regardless of whether or not the populace likes it or not. And so I think as a society, as Americans, um, if we're against these types of things or we don't agree with them and we think these should be taken out of some of the corporations or whatever, or if corporate uh, America, ha like I think they need to be aware of this. Uh, and maybe we need to take a look at are these social scoring systems, whether it's the corporate equality index or what sooner sooner or later is going to be coming down the pipeline, which they already use in China with social scoring systems, which could uh, hinder a person's ability to use their uh, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Is this something that we really want in America? And does it really promote our values of the constitution of whether or not we are a free society and we're able to do what we want? Um, I think that's just something we all need to kind of get together 
on, get it together on, and uh, decide like what it is, what is it that we want in our society. Restaurant review. This week's restaurant, the Cork Collective Food Hall at Arapaho Road and Parker Road. Man, it is interesting. It was very interesting. <laughs> I feel like I was part of the Squid Games. You always part of the Squid Game. <laughs> different game, different squid. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like uh it's kind of like uh, you, if you went to like a food court, there's only one, there's only one place to order. Uh, there's like a multiple like little restaurants inside of the place, or I should say like fast food Korean restaurants inside of one place. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure if I liked it or didn't like it. The food wasn't bad, but here's the thing. I think for what I got, which was the... Uh, um, blog, uh, bulgogi beef plate or bowl from the Bibim house, uh, plus a soda, uh, was like $20. Now, do I think it was worth $20? I do not. <laughs> uh, was it, was the food tasty? Yeah, the food was tasty, but honestly, uh, I don't think it was like $20 tasty. Uh, the weird part here, like, uh, it seems like anymore nowadays when you go to like a fast food place, they always have like uh, to pay a tip on there. The one thing I would say, I did uh, I did like that you didn't have to pay a tip because it didn't ask you to pay a tip. Um, I probably would say, like, uh, this kind of reminds me of, like, a little bit closer to, like, the uh, old, like, teriyaki or Japanese, like, beef bowls that we used to grab when we were younger. Um, and those those were, like, roughly, like, $9, $10 with a drink or, or maybe a little bit less, actually, probably when we were doing when we were going out and having those. Uh, this meal probably, to me, in my opinion, probably should not have cost more than, like, $15 with a drink. And, uh, and so I think maybe, I don't know if this has to do with, like, inflation or whatnot, but honestly, I think for what you got versus what you paid, I think it was, like, $5 too much. Would I go back there again? Probably not. Would I take a date there? No, I would not. Would I meet a friend there? Um, sure. I mean, it, it's kind of like open seating. So I guess you could sit there and, and chit chat for a while, but I'd rather go to like a sports down, uh, sports bar down the road or something like that. If I'm going to meet a friend and uh, have an environment where, you know, we could drink beers or, or shoot the shit doing something else, you know, like with a game on in the background or something like that. So, uh, would I meet a friend there only if they wanted to go there, but otherwise I, that would not be my choice to meet a friend either. Um, service. Well, there wasn't really any service there. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what, what to give it a point there as it's like, I think this kind of falls more like in the fast food, fast food area. Definitely. Uh, so I guess like in that kind of sense, like the lady who helped us, she was like super nice. Uh, so I guess like fast food type of like service, I'd give her like an eight, uh, the quickness of the food, uh, and the quality of the food that I got, I, I did like it. I thought it tasted good. Uh, excuse me. The vegetables look nice and fresh. So I would give that like an eight, um, the environment. That's like a two. I really did not like the environment there. Um, 
So I guess overall, I can, I probably would give that. I mean, what? Uh, probably like a five or a six. We'll call it five point five total. Uh, yeah, I really don't think this is a place I go back to. And it, this is like an old like. I don't know if it's Furs Cafeteria or whatever, or uh, some coral corral, a uh, corral. Golden Corral. Golden Corral. This is an old Golden Corral turned into this like Korean mall food place. I guess I don't know. It's an interesting concept, but it did fail with exactly that—the variety. Based on what what did we have in here? What was attempted to make look like six different restaurants, and one of them's a dessert, and one of them's a drinks, and then there's the the meat platters, if you will. Then there's the meat bowls, and all along the way, ah, it's all the same genre of food. The food hall or food atmosphere typically involves something from multi diverse options which this did not have so i had the mild spicy meal at mad toast basically just their name for a grilled cheese with some scrambled egg and a slice very thin slice of ham and a touch of some barbecue sauce it was the best part of the meal it was eight dollars for a grilled cheese and a soda and then i had from the up bob the bill gogi bowl so it's got the beef and the veggies and some rice on the bottom with that uh, i'm kind of right where you are Noah. it's the value was interesting i don't know that it wasn't there um but yours definitely had more fresh fruits uh, i shouldn't say fruits veggies on it uh, and looked a little more appealing in that sense but you paid the price man for sure uh, when i think that for the same price for my meal um, which did not include a tip, as you mentioned. I thought that was great that they didn't request it at the beginning. Um, but because that you leave a tip, you're paying it at the end. Anyway, I can get two draft beers and a burger at tailgate on a Monday night for the same price. I got this beef the tailgate. The cheese, um, with a diet Coke and, um, the tailgate price includes tip. Like that's service. I didn't have to go seek my food. I didn't have to go to the counters. I agree with you. This is fast food. It is exactly that atmosphere. The hostess, so to speak, with the counter where you pay, you walk in, you pay at one counter, then you go to the different counters to pick up your food. She was fantastic. Had the whole thing been rated on her eight or nine for service. The other people didn't even greet me. My bowl and my sandwich were just sitting there waiting with me nobody and I, I saw my number come up on the board i ran to the counter and they were like bye <laughs> like see you don't want to be a. and i didn't want to be me about 30 minutes later either <laughs> i felt the honey pot <laughs> so with that food overall man was a seven value overall this is where it's tough i thought it was pretty good ingredients my stomach disagreed shortly thereafter but uh value six environment man the environment was rough even for a fast food hall or restaurant uh four or five at the best uh again service was knocked down the hostess was amazing the rest weren't six or seven um total i'm sitting right about a six i'm right there with you 
I like the idea of a concept. I just want a variety of foods. You throw in the equivalent of some Sparrow pizza, give me that option. Throw in a chicken sandwich and some fries, give me that option. And then the other ones, I'm going back pretty regularly because I'm like, I don't know what I feel like I got here. I feel like a chicken sandwich today. Nailed it. Uh, I don't know what I want here. Uh, I, I get there and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to get a slice of pie and a soda. Um, the other thing, they need some they need some beers up in the house uh, or some drinks. Now, they don't really need that, but it does add to their client options. Um, would I take a date there? Absolutely not. Would I meet a friend there? Man, there are too many other choices. No, I would go to the sports book and get tachos and a beer for the same price, six minutes down Arapahoe Road or to the tailgate and get a burger, especially on a Monday night and a beer and then another beer for the same price at the tailgate. Um, I would go so many other places before I went there only because of that exact reason. Give me some variety. The tailgate has better variety on their bar menu than this place has in what is a food hall. And that is the miss to me. This week's Smarter Challenge was to uh, watch the uh, Korean TV show Squid Game from Netflix and do a review so uh for those of you this is this series has been out for a little while uh i think jesse and i were talking about this and i think we've uh we both are in agreement that from the from what we've read that this is probably one of the most uh watched uh series from netflix it is still currently their most watched series ever okay uh there you have it uh and um I think it's a very interesting TV series. Uh, we, I wasn't really going to choose this as a smarter challenge, but when I heard that they've uh, green light a second season, I thought it would be good for us to view, uh, to watch it and do a review on it, uh, and kind of give like our takes of the series. So if you've never seen Squid Games, um, spoiler alert. So far, I don't think I've spoiled anything. No, definitely spoiler alert, though. Yes, right here. Currently, this is just recently updated. Squid Game Season 1, most watched Netflix TV series ever. Second most watched show is Stranger Things Season 4. You mentioned that one uh, when we were talking earlier. Third, Wednesday. Honestly, for me, that would be number one. I think uh, Wednesday should be number one. I've already watched that seasons like season like two or three times through. Then below that, Dahmer, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. I didn't watch that shit. I haven't seen that. I have either. no interest in watching that shit. Obviously, all the people that complained to me about how bad of a show it was watched it. And then we have Money Heist, Bridge, Br Bridgerton, um, and then. Further down the list. Does it say which season of Heist? Because like the first season of Heist was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, Money Heist Part Five. Part Five. I never saw Part Five. Part Five. Money Heist Part Four is there between season one and two of Bridgerton, and then season three for Stranger Things, followed by season five of Lucifer. Literally, this is updated since the last time I looked at it. By the way, All of Us Are Dead season one, The Witcher season one down at number eight, The Night Agent nine, and Inventing. Anna number 10 top 10 uh the night agents actually a really good show I haven't seen it yet maybe I need to yeah if you like uh like John Reacher or uh Jack Reacher 
Jack Reacher, yeah, sorry, Jack Reacher or like 24 or any of those kind of shows. I think you like the, the Night Agent. Anyways, back to the topic at hand, the Squid Game. Now, just kind of give you like a brief synopsis of the Squid Game. Uh, we have a like the main character. Uh, he uh, once worked at a like an auto manufacturer shop. Uh, was caught up in a uh, a strike. Uh, saw one of his coworkers died, and from there lost his uh, position there. Tried to open up a couple of different restaurants. Fail at those restaurants, or maybe they're just like these like side little shops or whatever on the road. Uh, any case, from that point, he started going. We see him go, and he's like gambling, playing the ponies, and uh, you know, betting on horses and stuff like that. Uh, this his loss of his job, and then the multiple like restaurants or failed businesses thereafter cause a. Uh, Caused him to lose his family, so his wife divorced him, uh, and he lost uh, custody of his child. So his ex-wife remarried to a new another gentleman, uh, and they are moving to the United States from Korea. His mom is basically supporting uh, him because he can't hold a job, and he's basically a chauffeur. But you never see him doing any chauffeuring work at all. Um, and basically, most of his friends all see him basically, I've, and this is my perception, but you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of his friends see him as a as, as a loser. Yeah, he is like textbook negative millennial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically what happens here is like um, he's, at the, he's at the racetrack, wins a bunch of money, and he owes like a bunch of money sharks some money, uh, and it's his daughter's birthday so he calls her up after he wins all this money and he's like you can order whatever you want we're gonna go have a great dinner i'm gonna buy a great birthday present all this stuff and then he sees uh, uh, why he's on the phone he sees like these money sharks coming after him so he starts running and then there's this pickpocket lady who like cuts a hole in his jacket where all the money was at steals all of his money these uh the loan sharks beat the crap out of him uh and basically, he has to take his daughter out for fast food, uh, uh, noodles or whatever. Uh, and, uh, he had to go play like the crane game to like get like a cheap, uh, well, I, I think he was assuming it was going to be a cheap, uh, stuffed toy, but it ends up being a gun lighter, which is totally inappropriate for a young girl, like of like probably like seven years old. I think that's about his daughter's age. I thought they started smoking at that age. <laughs> Uh, and then from there, uh, after you get, you know, after all this is done, he's at the uh, train station. Some guy plays a game with them and, uh, they bet a bunch. Of, I'm like, I'm not sure how Korean money works, but it seemed like it'd probably be a decent amount of money. Uh, and he keeps losing and the guy says, uh, he, he admits to the guy, I have no money to bet you. He's like, that's fine. You can take it out on your body and just like smacks the shit out of this dude every time that he loses. Finally, the guy wins. And when he wins, he's so excited to smack this guy back that he realizes the guy stops him and goes, no, you win the money that I promised you that you would win. <laughs> And you don't get to hit me, basically. And he's like, oh, okay. He seems kind of defeated that he didn't get to hit the guy. But I think he got kind of caught up emotionally. Because I think if I got hit like 20 times from losing a bunch of times, I'd probably want to hit the guy too. <laughs> but, but he wins a bunch of money. Uh, and he's able to go back uh, and whatever. But the guy invites him to play. He's like, hey, there's other games you can play to win much more money. And the way they set him up is like, 
there are other games to play. Not really explaining like the whole details of these games, but as far as, as it goes forward and he does go to play these games, uh, if you happen to lose these games, you become eliminated permanently. <laughs> Meaning that your life no longer exists. Void. Uh, and it uh, brings up some, like, uh, I think some moral dilemmas and some other things to question about this series, which uh, maybe this is the reason why a lot of people uh, enjoyed this uh, TV series. Um, anything I missed kind of in the synopsis, sir? Um, the only thing that I think really stands out differently from the synopsis is that one of this gentleman's tails not the tail sticking out of his backside uh but we're talking about guy hoon player number 456 is that after he wins all that money and the loan sharks come after him and the money gets stolen and he gets the crap kicked out of him he asks them if he can borrow more, more money to take his daughter out to dinner and to me that was the beginning and the end of everything i needed to know about this person is he will never change like he didn't learn the first time he didn't learn the second time you don't get to this spot by screwing up one or two times three times 30 times 300 times and he does it again wanting more money and it's ridiculous to me uh, but beyond that that is very much so the introduction of this movie um, but the other piece is just the way as you mentioned what he ends up giving his daughter his interaction with his daughter um it's real it's not all his fault but he doesn't throughout the show show that he's really trying to change that i would agree i think uh, you see unconditional love from his daughter and he just assumes that she will always be there or always will give him love uh and uh, as a parental figure um he fails quite a bit uh as a man he failed not even a parental figure he's living off of the love from his daughter and the money from his mother i would also say the love of his mom yeah but uh yeah or or a love of a parent really um uh, which he here's here's the kind of like the weird crappy thing like the the love that he gets from his mom he cannot reciprocate to his daughter like his mom is like a really good parent maybe maybe too much so because i think maybe she enables him and because of that i think that's why it hasn't translated from him to his daughter uh and yeah i think you have to be careful about this because i think uh you'll probably be able to answer this better than I ever could because I don't have any children, but um, it does seem like some parents want to protect their child so much and want to provide for them so much that they actually enable them to do bad things in life. Not, not, not to be a bad person necessarily, but they end up picking up bad habits or they don't learn how to be self-accountable and therefore it enables them to do bad things over and over and over again. I don't, I, you know, I, I think how I would phrase it, very similar to what you're saying, but just how I would phrase it would be a little bit different, is that any great parent absolutely wants to cover their child's ass. From the day they're born with a diaper till the day the parent dies, 
Um, they absolutely want to have their kids back. The tricky part is you got to let your kids at some point make mistakes. But more importantly than that, you have got to force them to own the ramifications as opposed to saying, all right, don't worry, you broke the neighbor's window after I told you to be careful 24 times over the last 36 days. It's the summer and you keep doing it every day anyway, but don't worry, I'll pay, just don't do it again. That's what's wrong. And it's not wrong. It just doesn't create a sense of, man, you got to make your kid own it. And it is tough. And I know for me, Mila has made some mistakes and she has been forced to own them. Uh, and Aiden, man, I, I the kid's been either really lucky or not made many mistakes because he hasn't had some of those big things. We all have, though I have. My parents made me own them and I am the better for it. Um, but yeah, it, it, there is a different side of parenting and you have to make your kids own the ramifications of their mistakes. All right. So that's uh, basically his relationship with his child. Now let's actually like dive into this series. All right. The first thing here is obviously when they go to play these games. So when he actually like goes to play these games, these are all like supposedly childhood games that anybody should know the rules to. And if they don't know the rules, uh, it would be very easy to pick up these so-called rules to these children's games. Starting off with the first game called Red Light, Green Light. I think many of us, even in the United States, have played Red Light, Green Light, where you start off at a certain point, and then uh, the, there's one person where the finish line is. They'll say Red Light, which means stop, Green Light, go. So you run until they say Red Light, and you stop. And then if you if they catch you still running as when they say Red Light, then you're kicked out of the game. However, this very first episode with Red Light, Green Light, we find out that when someone continues to move, uh, when they say red light, they are eliminated by being shot and killed. So uh, from that, uh, let's, I'll ask you this question first. Out of all the different types of games that they played, uh, or I should say some of them weren't even like a game. It was just kind of like, a, uh, I'm not sure, maybe an activity they had to do maybe. Okay, uh, good point. Uh, what was your favorite objective that they had to accomplish? Um, so we're talking about nine episodes. Yes. Story leading into it is predominantly number one, um, which leads into red light, green light. Uh, a, a simplified version of Simon says, if you've never played red light, green light, Simon says, jump. Simon says, don't move. You jump. Halfway. <laughs> Simon says, you know, Simon says, run. Simon says, stop. Red light, green light different ways. Um, that's good. That's basic. Uh, towards the end of the show, uh, they are crossing a bridge with panels. Some of the panels will break, some will not, some are secure, and they have to decide which panels they walk on. Um, that's an interesting perspective, too, because it also shows who's willing to risk the test of time to let others fail and then learn from their mistakes. That's what I would get from that one. Uh, we've got the marbles game, which I think is fantastic. And it showed further into the series that some people have actually given up and or accepted that somebody else has more to offer the world. But I'm going to take that as a give up. It's kind of like suicide if you give up. And um, it's like saying you're better than me as opposed to saying I want to win which they all really do want to win and then fighting till that last breath. 
Um, but it is so tough. I, I think at the end of the day, my favorite one is tug of war because you learn very quickly in that episode, even though they spell it out throughout different pieces of it, who is willing to work as a team to get the job done, um, who is willing to share with the team. And then the contrast there being the two episodes before and the two episodes after you realize that person was not a team player at all. It was only, they did what they said, take three steps forward, let them fall, then run back because they were saving their own neck. They literally cared nothing about anyone else. Right. We'll talk about that character here in a moment. <laughs> uh, so that, that'd be your favorite activity that or objective that they had to do. I, I think for me in life, it is the one I could most relate to. And it was my favorite activity because of that. And I think it's really cool too, because like uh, the team that actually won in this, in this scenario was not the strongest team and and they actually had more females than any other team uh but it took a lot of teamwork and uh adaptability from the team uh and willingness to listen to each other and do the work together uh to create that teamwork in order for them to beat what would many would assume would be the stronger and better team yes and uh, that that is actually really awesome. I, I mean, that's probably, that's like my number two one probably. What's your number one? My number one happens to be the marbles. Okay, marbles was great. I just struggled with it. And I think why I struggled with it, dude, the husband and wife. I can't. So, the re- <laughs> yeah, so here I think with the marbles, uh, they're allowed to choose any kind of game that they want to play with the marbles. And the loser, they had to pair up with somebody. So most of the people, they either paired up with like teammates that they've created throughout the whole time frame. This is probably what, like the fifth game or the fourth game. It was like near the end of all the games that they had to play. So they already started to make some bonds with other people. Uh, and so a lot of people picked people who they're friends with or teammates or someone who they kind of sort of trusted. The one. The one grouping that I had the hardest time trying to figure out was how does a husband and wife both end up at, in these games in the first place? Well, they're married. They're actually probably decent human beings, and they're both financially wrecked. So, and how do they both make it so far into it? But in any case, uh, what ends up happening is like the person that loses in the marble game ends up being eliminated, or the, or in other words, they're killed, and the other is going to move forward. Um, I think that's actually game five because I think there's seven games total or six games total. So it's either game four or game five. Uh, but in any case, I think you start to learn a lot about each of the different characters and their flaws. The main character, which is uh, Gehun, right? Gehun. Sion Gihun. I always call him Gaihun, but I'm Gai-hun. definitely mispronounced. Yeah, we're mispronouncing all these names. Uh, obviously, we're not Korean. Uh, but I think he's probably the most moral or probably the most genuine person out of everybody in, in these games here. Uh, but he even shows his flaws here because he had befriended the old, the old man who happens to be his partner. And 
once he started to sense or see that maybe the old man may not be there all mentally, he started to take advantage of the old man. When he, actually the old man, he was he was mentally sharp the whole time, uh, but still held up to his end of the bargain because they did this whole pinky swear thing saying that they're Gion or Gion or whatever it is. I probably mispronounced that too. But basically saying like, we're best friends and whatever I own, you own. So it doesn't really matter who gets it. And the old man was terminally ill. So he probably would have given all the marbles to him in the first place anyhow. But I kind of, it just kind of showed his characteristics, his character of not. And I'm not sure like if I would be any different than him or if anybody else would be any different than him, but he did not lose gracefully. And therefore he started to cheat because I think at that point he knew his life was on the line and he was going to do whatever he could to not die. Even if that meant throwing a friend under, under the bus. Uh, and I would hope that I would be a better person than that. But you know, until you're actually in that situation, sometimes you never really truly know. But I, once again, I would hope to think that I would be better than him in this situation. You can't fault him. I, I don't fault him. Yeah. The one I do fault for, though, is the banker guy, uh, which is. Uh, Cho Sang Woo. Ah, oh, true that guy. He got he was definitely going to lose, but then he deceitfully uh and I think I think what he does and the way his approach was way worse than what the main character did here when the he took a, a guy who totally naive that Ollie and ended up putting rocks in the guy's like bag and then says like here I got all ten ten marbles, go kill this dude. I think he was totally terrible. But at the same time, like that's the game. It is the game. You can't fault him for following the rules, but at the same time, when you're saying like, I, I don't know, I think it, it has a betrayal of, of that friendship that they built. Uh, so I, I, I think, I, I think it's not fair play. He is cheating. Yeah. And that's where it gets tricky is because the front man will not, tolerate cheating kills anyone for cheating but at no point in time is there a rule really about cheating unless the front and, man at least not in this game exactly well really in any of them so sure. you can just randomly kill people and that's okay one might call that cheating because you could have just killed the guy and then be like hey i got all 10 marbles i killed and them. then the other one the other set which was the two women which is uh uh Sabok. Sabiok or whatever her name is. That's the pickpocket lady. And then the uh, other lady, which is... Um, maybe I didn't put her name down. Oh, yeah. Miok. Or Miokay. Miokay! They had a very interesting... Uh, Miok had uh, told a story about how she was in jail. She gets out of jail. And I think this goes back to what you're talking about, about giving up. Um, she, when she gets out of jail, she, there's nobody there for her. And she says like, there's nobody there for her. She has like really no one to basically make a world a better place or no one who's depending on her. So she asks, uh, say Bjork, uh, like if you win all this money, what are you going to do? Like who's there? Who's dependent upon you? That type of stuff. And she just kind of weighs out the difference. Like, 
there's going to be more good done by you than there would be done by me. And she basically gives up and says, I'm going to forfeit my life. So that way you have the opportunity to win this, win this money. And I think it kind of shows her character in a way. Like she was obviously a bad person before because she's in jail. And then she realizes maybe she won't be able to do as much good with the money as maybe somebody else could. And therefore she forfeited her life. Now one can say she gave up. One can say that she started to have like a moral sense of direction at that point or whatnot. I'm not really sure how you want to really look at it or depict it uh, or, or want to analyze it. I like to see more of the positive side of her saying like she realized that maybe another person could do more good with it than she could. And therefore she's willing to give up sacrifice her life to bring about better change uh for more people uh and i thought that was very interesting to see that type of perspective and seeing how that affected her partner being uh sabiak and how she was torn up about it because they basically became friends and i think miok just wanted someone to recognize her and see her and have a friend uh and uh so i thought that was very impactful uh, and whereas you see like those those guys cheating on their friends and stuff, and then the husband and wife, that would just be devastating. If you're playing against your wife, wrecked your spouse, for, that's what wrecked that episode for me. Like you, like I think I think the guy afterwards he commits suicide, and I can see why. Like you, you just basically killed your wife. So if you're truly committed to someone, you don't go on without them unless you've had that conversation. They never had that conversation. They did not think that was coming. Nobody did. And I, you know, from, from a perspective, from one of my perspectives, I look at, there are similarities with every single one of these characters in the show, every one of the players and really every one of the characters, but every one of the players in particular, <laughs> and I love you, your use. We're going to keep it simple and say me. Okay. <laughs> me okay has some similarities from as guy whom the main actor in the sense that they have done stupid things they have made mistakes she's gotten caught and what's interesting about that is how do you get to that point where you're making these terrible stupid mistakes and you can do the right thing or you can go borrow money from the loan shark once twice three times to go place bets and lose over and over and over again uh ruin your daughter's birthday and do all these things because you couldn't stay straight one goddamn day all he had to do was take his mom's money the grandma's money give his daughter a great birthday and he couldn't freaking do that. And I think that the bigger difference is Amioke was like, I don't see myself winning this. I am not saying I'm a good person. I'm saying I am not a murderer. And I'm dropping this marble. Here's my last marble because, I, and I do think it is, there's a piece of it, which is you give up on the righteous Fight. You're not giving up on a fight altogether, but you're giving up on a righteous fight. And it, it makes it very interesting because you see it with the banker, his best friend or his best childhood friend. That guy gave up on the righteous fight a long time ago. The difference is he never got caught. And so he keeps cheating and he keeps cheating and he keeps cheating or slighting the rules. Bankers, I imagine some of them do it all the time, you know. 
lots everyone does it all the time like when napster was out all the security people i heard who were like yeah i steal napster music or i steal music with napster all the time and i'm like you're the one catching bad guys and sending them to jail and you're okay with stealing music oh yeah i don't care Wow, like everyone's got their own code and it's just very interesting to me. I have to this day never stolen one song um, from any musician, never downloaded one illegal, never played one illegal. That to me, because I, I really do think the arts are that important to me, I was never okay with that. I could never do that. But most people were perfectly fine with it. <laughs> Um, so I think that's one of the similarities with a lot of these characters, though. And again, the Me OK character is a conundrum. It's a piece of art in the middle of this show. As you mentioned, she is, A, she's not hard on the eyes. No. Um, B, she's very polite. She is not disrespectful, unlike her counterpart in the Marvels game, who has been disrespectful up until that point. And it's it's just uh, it, it is very interesting to me. I think that episode is great. Not my favorite episode. That episode is great. Um, it's not my favorite episode either. But man, the marbles with the husband and wife wrecked me. All right, uh, who's your favorite character? Ah, and which character did you hate the most? Okay, number one, the person I hated the most, the gangster man. And he, we're going to use a couple of generic terms here. Gangster man and crazy lady. <laughs> so that I'm, would be uh, <laughs> Yong Gyok Su is gangster guy. Annoying lady was me, Neo. Young and me. So young gangster, me, crazy lady. <laughs> I feel like I'm speaking American Indian names right now. Um, I hated him because he would throw anyone aside. Um, and she was just like terrible because she was always loyal to the wrong person would kill anyone for him. My favorite uh, person though. I mean, those two kind of tie for the worst. Uh, my favorite though, Gi-hoon uh, or Gai-hoon was my favorite character because even though they didn't show it in this one, depending on how you interpret the ending he had the closest thing to a character transition an arc where he might possibly change i just i have to see it to believe it um because the ending still left me wanting the sense of are you just trying to gamble again but Throughout the show, he is the one person who showed the most compassion, even though he was also one of the weakest. But he showed that the good can also win. Um, the kind, the, the righteous, in the sense of he was not trying to cheat anyone except for that one time. Uh, any other characters you want to mention before I jump in on mine? No, I mean, uh, um, Saibyuk, number 67, the female, one of the last three. Pickpocket lady. Pickpocket lady. 
I think she also does a really nice job, but I also feel like and there right towards the end, she gives up. But the one thing she does that I think is great is Guy Hoon is trying to get her to help him kill Sang Woo, the banker. And she convinces him he's not a murderer. And that he shouldn't do that. I think in the long run, that is what saved him. Um, I, I do agree with uh, Sabiok and uh, Guy Hoon. Uh, I think those who probably show the biggest uh, character change in, in their character arc, uh, her took a, a little bit longer, I think, to to tell for sure. And I think it's because they actually, you see them sort of build a friendship, even though they, they start off pretty like on bumpy terms. And um, I think she learned from me okay me okay uh about like what are you gonna do she asked him this is those same questions what are you gonna do with the money if you win and then they make a pact to basically yeah whoever wins the money will take care of each other's families so i thought that was kind of a a good thing for them uh my favorite character happens to be the old dude he's cool oh ill oh 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 uh, oh oh ill man Old ill nam. Old man. Uh, I'll just call him old guy. Old guy. <laughs> uh, um, I think why he's one of my favorite uh, characters is because he is one of these uh, so-called elites uh, that actually host these games. But he makes a comment to Guy Hyun uh, in like the very last episode, saying like uh, the difference between those who are destitute or have like no money and those who have like too much money his life is boring basically that they like you get to a point in life to no matter what you're gonna do you already know the results or whatever like that and he said that he got to a point in his life because he had made so much money that he could buy anything or do anything that he wanted so therefore life became boring so even though he was terminally ill, he wanted to play the games just to have some kind of feelings again. I also suspect that there's a secondary reason here, which is never really talked about in the show, but I think he also wanted a friendship, which was developed between him and, uh, and Gihun. Uh, and I, they build that friendship. Um, and I think that's how, that's really shown in the whole Marvel game, and I think it's restated even later on, uh, like when when he's on his deathbed and uh, Gion visits him on the bed. And I think the whole reason why uh, the old man sent for Gion is because he realized that if he did do a total character change, he felt guilty for all the money that he won and wouldn't spend any of it. So I think the old man brought him in to talk to him to try to get him to start living life again uh, and not uh, not act like a, a guy who's going to drink himself to death. I think that's interesting. Um, you use the term friendship. And I think that is a very strong word. What I'm going to say is he was just looking for a human connection. What I'm talking about is you can have sex and not be married. You can have a connection and not be a friend. And I think that's what he was looking for was just someone he could actually connect to. Because um, obviously, at the end of the day, even though he may have been Guy Hoon's friend, 
Guy Hoon was not old man's friend. <laughs> Mio K was more of a friend to the other one. <laughs> yeah, and that, that takes me to my second favorite character was Mio K. Because I think Mio K kind of resembles uh, the old man. And the simple fact that I think she was just looking for that human connection as well. And uh, and that's the reason why when she's playing a Marvel game, she's like, let's just sit here and talk for 10, like for the 10, 15 minutes we have left. And she asks uh, Bjork, like, why did you choose me to be on your team in the first place? And she said, because I thought you would, you would, re- I don't know, I forget the exact words, but she goes, I thought you would follow me or you would agree to be a part of our team. And, uh, and she finally gets that human connection. And I think when she finds out that she got that human connection from Bjork, Bjork or whatever, that, and asked those questions, what she do with the money, I think that's when she felt for her, the circle of life is where it needed to be for her to forfeit her life. See, so for me, my one controversy in all this is old guy bringing in Guy Hoon to convince him to go start spending this money. Guy Hoon's problem was always that he was a gambler. And at this point, he couldn't gamble. There was no gamble. There was no risk big enough unless he goes back into the game. That is the only risk that will excite him ever again. Well, and I think maybe that's part of the whole thing there. Is that he had to have something like that in order to change his character arc? And, and I, I'm just saying, I, I I think that was his struggle. Was at the end, he's like, I've got so much goddamn money, thirty five million dollars roughly, um, that there's no more gamble, there's no more excitement, there's no more risk, and that was the only thing that drove him tragically was a risk. It wasn't a win, which is exactly what the old man said. Like, why did you become wealthy? all your life gets boring because you have no more of those risks. Right. And I think that that is suiting for to, to spell out that this guy's just a gambler. And now that he has no gamble, like what the hell do I do? And I'd say my least favorite character, but probably the most real character is the banker. Oh, he was absolute. I agree. He was the most real person because I think most real, like most real people in the same kind of scenario would act just like him. They would want to form a group. They would want to form a team. And if you knew a way for you, like if you knew like something was coming up, he would probably, uh, or you know, or most people would probably like not tell the whole team or maybe tell one or two other people just to help insulate you to help you get further along. And I think he did that well enough to get to the final stages uh, and he used people just like what I think most people would do in the same situation. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He used people like a bank would do? Yes. <laughs> Make money or save life? He was literally there as a banker the whole time. His role was perfect. He was definitely the most suited role for his generic term, the banker, because he was doing that the whole time. He was calculating. He was considering who do I give the loans to and who is the risk? Who, where do I go? Who do I save? Absolutely. The whole time. And that's the other interesting piece is now we have to question the final game. Man, when does good versus evil really prevail? Because otherwise the banker should have won. The banker was more strategic the whole time and only screwed up because of either A, dumb luck, or B, not being physically prepared. Exactly. Uh, uh, All right. 
one more character I think we have to talk about here. Mm. Front man. Front man. Dude, the guy Frontman and his brother. Best costume of the whole show. Dude, Frontman's costume was pretty <laughs> kick-ass. It was perfect. And yes, his brother, the cop, Officer Huang Jung Ho. <laughs> so how when do you think Frontman realized it was his brother? Was it once he saw the actual like uh video? Video or when you saw the actual like ID card on the body that washed up on shore? I think he had a pretty damn good idea when he saw the ID card. That's when I got the glimpse. I think the other one was just like, oh shit, no way. And then like the seeing his like the ID card was like, yep, way. I think he kind of caught on. It was his brother when he went into that back room. And you saw like all the files were disturbed and he, he, it looked at, I think 2015. He, yeah. I think he, when he noticed like, like which file was, which happened to be the same year that Frontman won. I think that's when he started to think that it was probably his brother. And I think the actual ID is what actually like solidified it. Now, huge spoiler alert here for anyone who hasn't figured this out. Frontman black mask awesome outfit um is the 2015 winner of the squid game and with that his brother is the officer now here's the next question was his officer there because the officer was trying to do the right thing or was the officer there because he suspected his brother all along i don't think he suspected his brother all along i don't know he went for that 2015 year yearbook for the squid game pretty quick. I think he went there after <laughs> he saw like some other file. He, he did. I don't disagree, but I just, I, I'm curious. So with writing this, there was no intent originally to do a second season. There was always a hope, Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody who, and it also like took the creator, like 10 years to write this. Yes. Uh, but with that, like they've got so many different directions they could take it well season two has been confirmed now they're already talking about season three is my understanding but they've got so many directions they could go man the direction they go will either impress or leave me wanting <laughs> all right uh so did you like did you like uh black man or face man i'm sorry front man front man was awesome i love uh, the whole potential that he builds into future seasons and oh wait who becomes the next front man if something happens to him might it be guy hoon maybe <laughs> all right uh what was your favorite episode i think your favorite episode might be my favorite episode but i'm not really positive i think it is but that's i i think what really revolved around that was after we talked about it and i got my episode straight so favorite episode uh when you really look at it is episode eight front man and man part of what made this episode so great wasn't any part of a game even though there was part of a game um but you mentioned it earlier and i didn't really think about the impact but what i loved about it initially was front man versus his brother the cop uh but the other piece is man at what point do we realize the VIP is coming in to watch the show live? Maybe some of this isn't so much a fiction as a nonfiction. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the thing here. Like, uh, 
I think with uh, Frontman, that episode, uh, I thought the really kind of cool part about this is that you get like a little bit of like the Rothschild party where they show up and wearing these elaborate masks and uh, no one knows. I think they know who they are, but you don't really get to see who they are really because of like they're, they're wearing masks the whole time. And there's already been, uh, I would say unconfirmed, but suspected theories of how, uh, the global elites actually like hunt people or kill people in games and stuff like that. So there's already theories out there. And so, as you said, this may not necessarily be a fiction. Maybe it's kind of like a non-fiction <laughs> thing, uh, which it possibly could be. Uh, and if it isn't, maybe now it might be a real thing. <laughs> I, there's so much money out there. And I think there's a point with, uh, because the old man was actually one of these people. He actually had a mask and he, uh, tells a uh, front man, uh, tell the VIP guests that I will not be attending to watch it because he wanted to be a part of the games. And, uh, this is actually one of my favorite episodes because of that, because you actually see like, even with some of these like so-called things that you're learning about these global elites with the whole Epstein Island and stuff like that, they, uh, they take whoever they want to be like their sex slaves or whatever. So you kind of see that kind of happening with one of these elites, uh, with the actual cop and basically the cop flips it on him later on. But you see that happening and you have the whole like front man versus a brother, uh, scenario going on. And then you have like, it is kind of a cool, uh, game with the, uh, regular glass versus tempered glass, uh, bridge thing going on. And, you really have to question the one guy who was like the glass maker, uh, like holding off so long to like do that. But at the same time, if they, if they would have found out about this guy so early on, then maybe they would never have been able to finish the whole bridge altogether. That is a key point. Not that he did or did not know that, but he may have also been testing it just because light can reflect and refract differently. So when he caught on to, uh, well, these are the tempered panels because the way the light's reflecting in them versus the others and vice versa. But even so, here's, here's, here's a question with that. How did it get that far? Hey, have you? Hey guys, have you noticed that these glass panels, they look different and that one that looks like that versus the ones that look like that, that's the ones they're falling through. I don't need a tempered glass guy to tell me that I don't need to on to that actually, immediately. Actually, like when you look at it, you can see like the reflection on like these sides, right? What was like more green than the other. That's and my you, point. You the green ones are the tempered glass ones. Well, that's just it. Like it doesn't take a specialist for someone to figure that out. It was super interesting to me. Uh, that was like a disappointing factor in that one to me. I was like, you guys, where were you during physics class? It but literally is the, the way light reflects. People are at the point where like they're just so freaking mentally exhausted mm -mm. from these games. I won't buy that. All right. You and I have gotten too far in life, and most people have, to believe that when you get more stressed that you lose mental acuteness. No, you actually gain it, especially after they had like a nap the night before. That's a nap. What do you think about them doing like the whole battle royale, like uh, where Face Man's like, let them go all kill each other in the whole dorms? Or you call it the special game? 
So with me, I, I don't know that I had a feeling about it one way or another, but it set the precedent of it's okay to kill others. Yeah. And at the end of the day, though, you see that none of the people who really felt that way got to the finals. They all died anyway. And it's a different sort of risk. I thought it was appropriate and interesting um, because it also said that's not cheating. All right, one other last question here, because I agree with you. I, I think the only thing, like, for me, it kind of set up, like, how to break, how to actually get these people to break up into factions. I think that's what that helped create and create teams, which ultimately builds, like, up more attention for, like, the Marvels game and stuff like that. Um, one last question here, and then we'll do, do our wrap-ups here. At the end of the first episode with Red Light, Green Light, Everyone got to vote whether or not they wanted to continue to play the game or to leave and quit the game after they found out that everyone got, you know, whoever failed got shot, and that's how you get eliminated or you die. Basically, that's how you get eliminated. Would you have voted to continue the game or would you have voted to stop the game? So for me, where I am in life, I would absolutely vote to stop. Not worth it. Not worth the risk. I am willing to fight within uh, the lines of the law to have a good life. If that means working 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, 90 hours a week. So my kids, as Aiden is now driving my old car, I will do exactly that. And my kids, I hope, I mean, I know Aiden does. I assume Mila does know how hard I work. I work 60 plus hours every week, no matter what. And that's before everything else I do for them. And myself. Uh, so let's assume that you're in a financial. If I had no kids. Well, if you had kids, but you're in no, like that financial. Then it's, in, it's over. Kids. As a parent, you have a responsibility to your kid. Okay. Don't have a kid if you don't. And so if I didn't have kids and I was financially strapped, hell yeah, let's go for it. If I had no one else, no other responsibilities as far as people, friends, anything, I am going for ultimately what was $35 million to them, life or death, that's not a bad risk. The moment I have a kid or another individual, a wife, a spouse, uh, parents I have to take care of, then everything changes and it's not worth the risk because I am needed and all the money in the world doesn't offset what I feel responsible for. How about yourself? Well, here I think you make a good point. Like I think where I'm at in life, I would say end it. But not because I have any kids, but because like I'm I'm a, I feel like I'm in a good spot in life anyways. And Why the hell would you want to die? Exactly. <laughs> Plus I already have a commitment to to do our show. I have a commitment to like my own family members and stuff like that. And like I'm confident enough in my skills to like not like be in their situation, but if I were in a financial uh, situation like that and I had no one to really that's dependent upon me or, yeah, I, I would say continue the games. Here's the difference. The answer was simple for both of us. You know why? Why? Because we are not them. They got themselves there for a reason. They don't see themselves digging out of there. 
for that very same reason. If you and I got into a shitty spot, we would find a way to dig ourselves out. It could take 10 years, but we wouldn't risk life for money. That is the difference. Now, I will say one other side, and this is dark and this is twisted. And if you're easily offended, you do not want to hear this. Here's what I can say. If I was a Korean elite paying millions, if not tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes a year, would I find any reason not to buy into this game? Here's why. I'm paying hundreds of millions of taxes a year. And in this sense, why am I paying those taxes? Because I am being told to pay for people who are not condoning great behavior and conducting their own business well. And in that case, man, I've already paid for this. And I'm not saying that's actually me. I'm just saying as like, psychologically, these VIPs, these rich elite, I can see why they'd be okay with it. They paid for this as far as they might concern. And that, if you guys haven't already, the current writers and directors of season two and three haven't considered that, that is absolutely a, a big piece of the storyline. I am not saying it's right. It is absolutely morally wrong, 100%. But what I can say is- But is it really morally wrong? Yes, it is, because you don't go around doing that. It's morally wrong. But what I can say is, man, after paying hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes, and then going to your favorite restaurant and seeing these people pickpocketing each other, beating someone, getting beat up because they owe a, a money shark and doing all these things and ruining my experience. All of a sudden, I don't feel so bad that they're in a well, game. Here, here's the here's the thing. <laughs> like, there's a uh, book on the on the CIA website which is called the uh, uh, the conspirators hierarchy the story of the council 300 there's the club of rome uh oh, the club there's, of rome. <laughs> there's also like the uh the bilderberg group a lot of these a lot of these groups have actually like papers out or what they're called white papers and i talk about their beliefs and a lot of them talk about how uh the masses need to be called like you called like animals and they talk about how if you were to take away the food from the masses, they will act like animals and they are no better than animals and they are useless eaters. So if you already have the point of view that most humans are nothing but animals and they're useless eaters, that they're just uh, using up resources and they will act like other animals in nature if you take away the food supply, then what they're doing with these games is basically betting on horses, which is actually what he talked about. He's like, I am not a horse. And if you are in this position, you have that kind of money, you would view these people as animals and you would bet on them like they do in episode eight. So I don't see like, to, that's what I'm saying. Is it really morally wrong? It is morally wrong. But, but what not, I can say is I can see how they. But here's the thing. If you, if you see it from their point of view, it is not morally wrong. No, it is absolutely morally wrong. I, I would disagree with that. So here's where it becomes ugly is because even in this like, group. From, from, oh. a normal, from a normal person, <laughs> from like the masses point of view, that is totally, absolutely morally wrong. But from elitist point of view, if you already see these people as animals anyway. Point of view and morals are different. It is not our code, but it could be theirs is my point. Our code would say this is morally wrong. Oh, that was for that. 
Uh, it's all good. Um, um, it's more. But my whole point is, man, like our code would say this is absolutely wrong. But I am saying at the same time, like 456 of them in this show, Battle Royale to the death, one man standing. Well, turns out one man plus one VIP who got his own way out, right? W one man standing. And no matter what, when you look at this group of 456, 20% of them were bottom of the barrel anyway. We're going around killing people and okay with it anyway. Liars, cheaters, organ harvesters, whatever you want to call it. Evil people we all want to see in prison. And the VIP elites are just like, hmm. We're going to round it up and then throw them all in a bucket. <laughs> all right. Any last thoughts on this, on this series? Um, my mom told me to watch this series when it first came to Netflix. Mom, if you watch this, I am sorry. I dismissed that. And I think that that is important for me to consider because it was one of many you've mentioned and at least three that you have mentioned. I have now watched and they have all been impactful, not necessarily life changing, but impactful in Squid Game was no different. Um, Noah brought it up as a smarter challenge. Thank you for bringing it up as a smarter challenge, Noah. I literally need to go see my mom tomorrow and let her know face to face. I owe you a lunch or something because this was amazing because it is a yeah, right. It is a controversial show. It does question right versus wrong on so many different le levels politically, um, ethically, morally, religiously. You can look at it in all different ways. Socially, all sorts of questions are brought in. And at the end of the day, anyone who played was there at their own free will. So that is the one thing that probably makes it very easy as a VIP elite to say, I'm not breaking any code. They wanted to be here. They chose it. They had another choice. They chose to stay. Some did leave. These guys, yeah, the best man win. I uh, I agree on on all those. It's so it is definitely a controversial show from that aspect. It is a controversial show, and I can see why a lot of people were infatuated with it. I think part of it too is the cinematography of it, with like how they use colors and all that type of stuff, and like the playground scenarios that made it visually appealing. I think. It wasn't just visually appeal appealing to me. It was visually childish. All of the convicts, or, I call them comics, all the players are wearing green. All of the guards are wearing pink. They walk up and down these stairs that are all like some like grade school amusement park or playground or something, and or even more simple than that, it's, preschool. It seems very... Uh, Innocent? Yes. Yeah, but it's not... <laughs> Uh, I think it does make you question, like, how does one become a guard if they can't talk to each other? Uh, like, if past winners are all part of, like, being, like, the guards or become, like, frontmen or being uh, future betters. Or elites. Uh, yeah. VIPs. Uh, then, yeah, I think you have to question for yourself, is this something that it's morally, ethically 
uh, right? I think most people would say it's probably not. But yet, it makes you so question maybe the masses of all the people who watch it, like, why did they watch it? Are they really watching it because they agree with it? Or are they watching it because maybe like a small portion of them agree about it, like a small portion of themselves agree with it? Uh, are they really fascinated by something that's like, that would be like terrible like this? Is it like green lighting or is it gaslighting people to eventually like progress? Cause like some TV shows and some movies gaslight people to uh, early enough to where they watch it and then it becomes acceptable later on down the road. Is this something that we might see in the future? I have no idea. What do you expect from season? The purge. <laughs> we expect from season. Yeah, definitely the purge. Uh, what do you expect for season two? I don't know. I think uh, maybe the main character is going to try to expose them. Uh, but there's also a theory that maybe he wants to go back and play the games because he now no longer has any feelings towards life. I think season two needs to be all about the front, man. <laughs> I, I think it'd be kind of cool to see the historical Holy cool. Go back to a previous season, see the differences, see how time has changed, um, but all along bringing in the current, the new season. And do they all occur in Korea? Um, Good question. So I think they're that, like... Man, writers, directors, this is gold right here. If you haven't considered this, that all of a sudden we are in the Middle East or we are in... The middle of your. I mean, you can literally like make hostels. <laughs> yeah, you can make like tons of like seasons. Czech Republic. This is Prague. You guys are on this ship. And you always <laughs> need to have like a a, a morally a, a ethical winner. Uh, can you just have some like douchebag win it all? It's all tricky. It it is super all tricky. Like I mean, for most Americans, we have this theory about when it comes or. Maybe it's just our, our society that we believe like in happy endings uh, and for most movies and TV series and stuff like that. So that's a, an interesting perspective, too, because one person's happy ending isn't everyone's. True. Uh, all right. Well, with that, uh, I think uh, I'm excited for season two. I'm really I'm, I'm excited I to see what too. happens. I'm kind of excited to see like what happens, uh, see how the main character further progress or if they go the whole different route. Um, but if you haven't seen it, I say definitely check out Squid Games. Yes. All right. Uh, and then uh, what's our uh, scotch for next week? All right. Well, next week's Sparner Challenge. I mean, after you showed me the clips and we talked about it, we have to review the movie the machine and uh, after that smarter challenge the scotch since the machine is all in russia drinking vodka we're not gonna do that so we're gonna uh, not go high-end scotch although we may be surprised glenn cadam highland single malt scotch whiskey no age mentioned 40 percent abv yeah uh, gonna be interesting but the machine will be great <laughs> all right well thank you for everyone who watches us on youtube and rumble we greatly appreciate your patronage to us uh thank you for everyone who listens to us on any of the uh, multiple uh podcast platforms we greatly do appreciate it if you do want to become a patron member where uh you donate money to our show uh you can become that uh, just take the very first link in the comments area down below it's the very first link for the Podbean pod uh Podbean, uh i just said the word too damn it link 
Yeah, take the link there, uh, and uh, you can join us for as low as $1. That all gets reinvested back into our show or into the scotches that we use. And please like, share, and subscribe, and I'll pass it along to Jesse to close us out. All right. So remember, subscribe, like, share, subscribe. Subscribe is the big one. And anything you do want to give, use that Scotch Hour link. Even on YouTube, if you click on Scotch Hour, it brings the link up down below it. Um, and any of those will be given. We've got some great movies coming up soon. We're looking to build up enough funds to have another movie theater rental and have a party. Too badly. We couldn't do that for the machine. That would have been interesting, but we're not vodka drinkers. That could have gotten really ugly really quick. So life is great. And for us in particular, life is great. That is, uh, I believe, one of the many reasons we both are looking at Squid Games thinking, yeah, I'm voting out. Uh, 456. I've got a one out of 456% chance of winning this. Even if you look, look around, you see the old guy and you're like, okay, maybe it's 145, 144. No, I'm out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll take life no matter what. Um, but if you do uh, have any struggles, man, leave us a comment. Maybe we can reach out, get you on the show, help you understand life is great. Life can be great. It is not always easy and that is the truth but that's part of the fight uh, it, it may take hours days weeks months years to win a battle never give up the fight and um don't become one of these victims uh man any of these situations but as noah was saying you want to become a patron become a patron scotch hour link Send us some money. Send us a comment that you are that money. We will make sure you get either on a show or to one of our movie theater rentals. We'll have some fun. Drink some scotch. And until next time when we review The Machine and the Glen Cadam. Scotchman! We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe. Also, if you have not done so already, please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as $1 a month. Thank you, and hopefully you have a wonderful evening.